has been a new opportunity for life and faith. This week, we turn our attention to Matthew's Gospel. The call of Jesus to Andrew and Peter, James and John, is a critical moment in Matthew's Gospel. In this act, Jesus begins his ministry in earnest. It is his ministry, but by calling others to participate, he shares it willingly with others. This is one of the most extraordinary parts of the gospel. It is more than just the fact that the ministry is shared. Over the generations, God's work has been shared with many priests, prophets, kings, and occasionally normal folk. But Jesus' call of the fishermen, as well as the other disciples who were not priests, prophets, and kings, is a game changer. In an act that was rare in Israel, the work of the Messiah was being shared with people who lacked the pedigree that many would have expected. We often marvel at what seems to be their immediate response to Jesus' cold call of them. While it may have happened that way, I think that it is more helpful for us to dig a little deeper. Because Jesus had moved into Capernaum and began teaching, it is safe to assume that he wouldn't have been completely unknown to Andrew and Peter, James and John. When you combine whatever level of knowledge that they had with the fact that Jesus gave a particular and tailored invitation to them, their quick response to the call makes a little more sense. To consider these things together, I think it makes Jesus' call of us all the more accessible. Our scripture today is taken from Matthew chapter 4, verses 12 through 23. Now when Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew to Galilee. He left Nazareth and made his home in Capernaum by the sea in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that what had been spoken through the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Land of Zebulun, land of Naphtali, on the road by the sea, across the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light And for those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to proclaim, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. As he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fish for people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, in the boat with their father Zebedee, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness among the people. Let the church hear what the Spirit is saying. We are listening.
May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. So, thinking about maintaining a vibrant faith and and that, um, uh, this incredible story that Colleen read and then the the video was just just lovely, but um, I want to take you just on a little small trip this morning. So, yesterday, and Ryan, don't freak out, but I'm going to change the, the, there we go. So, I was uh, Huntington Beach. This is yesterday morning, Huntington Beach, about an hour after dawn, high tide. Uh, I was down there. Uh, to do or to be part of a memorial service for a colleague of mine um, who died. Um, His name is Bob Wickerts, um, was a colleague of mine um, that died um, a little before uh, Christmas. And as I'm walking walking up and down the beach before the service um, started and thinking about this text, I'm thinking, why? I mean, look at that. I mean, that's gorgeous. Why would anybody leave the beach? I mean, I mean, I get, I get that some people aren't, you know, beach people, and, and that's okay. But why? I mean, I, I think about, it. I was, was thinking about this. Why don't I spend more time at the beach? Well, driving five hours to spend a couple hours at the beach from here doesn't always, doesn't, it, it doesn't seem like good stewardship of my time, but I miss it. But why would anybody leave the beach or the seashore why would anybody leave their family just pick up and leave family and go why would anybody leave a stable and secure job or anything that's comfortable and known to risk the unknown why would anybody do that? You know, I'm thinking that, that um, it, I, I bring this up and I'm thinking about this because this was what the disciples did. This is exactly what the disciples did. They left family. They left a job. They left what was known. And I'm sure that their family and their friends were asking them the exact same question. Why would you leave this to follow this teacher, this wandering teacher. Well, the, the, the truth of the matter is, is this, this movement of people, this willingness to leave what is known for the risk of the unknown is really hardwired into the human experience. If we didn't have this, this, this migratory peace within us, the lot of us might still be living in the Horn of Africa. You know, the, the people that followed the genome remember that humanity came out of the Horn of Africa and they've been able to follow the migration patterns. We would not be here if there wasn't some of that. Now, some of us um, have more of a wanderlust than others. Some of us are, are way more prone to pick up and go and to risk the unknown than others. Okay? But to one extent or another, we all have that capacity to do that. The interesting thing about the story of Jesus calling the disciples, um, the challenging thing for, for many of us, uh, especially if we don't have that wanderlust kind of uppermost in our, in our life, in our experience, is this idea 
that the way that Matthew tells it in kind of a compacted and even truncated way, that Jesus shows up at the seashore, he reaches out to, to, to uh, Andrew and to Peter and to James and John, and he just says, follow me, with no context. And Matthew tells the story, and other gospel writers tell the story, that they immediately dropped and went. You know, there's something about that telling and that rendering of the story that doesn't make a lot of space for us. Because this notion of leaving immediately to, t- to follow such an incredibly risky path just <laughs> doesn't make a lot of sense. And I think even for the people maybe who have the, the, the deepest sense of wanderlust, it probably doesn't make a whole lot of sense for them. I mean, it just does not compute. And because I think we have such a hard time relating to it, and making sense of it, it doesn't make the story of following Jesus' call terribly accessible for us. But I think that it's at that moment that digging a little deeper into Matthew's story and into a little more context makes sense for us. You see, Jesus, I think, and you really have to kind of dig down into this, Jesus was not, to these fishermen, these four fishermen, he would not have been a completely unknown quantity. Remember, at the very beginning of this passage, Matthew shares that Jesus, after his cousin John the Baptist was arrested and imprisoned by Herod, that Jesus left his hometown of Nazareth and moved to Capernaum which is a city along the Sea of Galilee where, where uh, Andrew and Peter and James and John lived. And Matthew tells us that Jesus was engaged in his ministry. You know, his, his first words in public ministry were to repent and believe, in the, or repent that the kingdom of God has drawn near, which more fulsomely translated is, Turn yourself, turn your life back toward God because God's reign, God's presence, God's love has come near to us, has come into our midst. It was an invitation to engage with God in deeper ways. And he went around and he was preaching that message. He went around and he was healing people. He was engaged in this. Now, now granted, maybe not like what he would do over the course of the next three years of his life, but he was doing things that would have made him known. And so Peter and James and John would have had some understanding, if not relationship, they would have seen, they would have heard, they would have caught some of the buzz of this. And so it's not like a a cold call. But still... While it makes this idea of them immediately dropping and going, maybe give it a a, a little more basis in rational sense, there's still another piece of this that's important for us to, to grasp. You see, Jesus comes in and what he's preaching and what he's teaching in concept would not have been novel. Jesus didn't come in and 
um, do something completely different than the Judaism that they would have known, the understanding of God, the understanding of the covenant community. It wasn't like it was completely foreign. It wasn't. But there was a novelty to it that was compelling. And this, this novelty was seeing God's love played out. Not just words, not just the, <laughs> the threats of the prophets, but to see God's love being actively worked out in ways that were making a difference in people's lives and restoring people to a community. People who had been marginalized, had been pushed aside, had even been ostracized because of something in, in many cases was beyond their control in terms of, say, an illness. That in Jesus' work of healing, it's not just that he's you know, engaging in a, in a medical practice. By the virtue of the fact that people were being healed from their diseases, they were also being restored to the community. This would have been a new expression. And I don't know about y'all, but it would have been compelling to me to see this community being restored and reconstituted and, and, a, and a vibrancy coming back into the community. And this is what Jesus was doing. But there's something even deeper. Because when Jesus comes to the seashore and he says come with me come follow me and i will make you as matthew renders it fishers of men other translations render it as fishers of people come and i will make you fish for people which unless you fish that might still be a bit of a cryptic comment but for peter and andrew and for james and john wouldn't be cryptic they'd get it they'd understand because jesus comes in and he gives an invitation that's personalized to them he gives them an invitation that is contextualized for their life their understanding and in that moment and doing that he does something that nobody else had really ever done in israel before and that was to make space for folk people me you regular folk not the kings not the priests not the pharisees not the rabbis not the usual suspects but jesus is making space for common fishermen jesus is making space in the work that god is doing and unfolding for you for me that invitation is a, is a placeholder for all of us. And it's at that moment, and see, and this would have been unprecedented. Finally, for the first time in their lives, they were invited to be a part of what God was doing. Not just a casual, passive observer, but to be a part of it to be a part of the inner circle, to be a part of, the, of where it was all happening. Now that, that makes sense. I can see immediately, maybe not quite immediately, 
but it wouldn't take me long to say to think it through and say yeah i'm in as many of you have in your ways you see something that is compelling there's an invitation to be a part of something and and you've heard me use this expression before uh, something that you can't not do and you say yes and you go this helps us understand that what when the disciples say yes to jesus and even though the gospel writers talk about it in terms of this immediate thing it helps us to understand that when they say yes and they drop and they take their first step they don't have complete understanding they don't know everything that there is to know about Jesus. They don't know everything that there is to know about what it is that Jesus is up to and where this will eventually lead. They, have, they don't know what it's going to look like for their life beyond Jesus' own um, crucifixion and resurrection. They don't know any of that. And here's the thing is they didn't have to know all of that they didn't have to have complete understanding in that moment they knew enough and they trusted enough to take the first step and then the next and then the next and with each step the understanding grew the trust grew seeing how they fit into it grew and that's what the way it is for us I mean, think back to your earliest days of, of life and faith. Did you know then what you know now? Did you have uh, all of the understanding and the experience of God then that you know now? Very likely no. But your life has been this ongoing movement of step by step trust learn understand grow trust learn understand grow and all through experiencing the grace that would take you the next steps down the path the gospel story is the disciples following exactly that path but it didn't even end with Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection because the book of Acts is again the early church following that same pattern, trying to make sense of it and figure it out as they learn more and as they grow. Our next steps moving forward as we think about what it means for us to be Christ followers in a 21st century post-pandemic world with all of the things that we see all of the things that challenges that challenge us we still don't need perfect understanding we still don't have to have it all figured out for right now really truthfully the only thing that we need right now in this moment to take the next step is the willingness to trust we don't have to have all the answers we don't even have to know all of the questions we just simply are, need to be willing to trust. To trust that God is a part of all of this. To trust that God continues to make a space for us at this table. At this table of grace. That, and to trust that, that, that in this grace, okay, 
we will see and we will find a way forward. Trust is all it takes. To trust that, that God is a part of it, that we have a place within it, and that, that as we live into this faith, as we live into this life of living and sharing and reflecting the self-giving love that we see in Jesus, that as we live this life as best as we can on any given day, that we find ourselves deeper and deeper in the stream of God's grace that has and will continue to move us all into the fullness of God's reign. Bit by bit, day by day, step by step, opportunity by opportunity. This was the life of discipleship. Peter and James and John and Andrew, that was their life. And, and, and it wasn't this paragon, you know? It wasn't this heroic movie, heroic story. It was just regular folk responding to the invitation to be a part of what God is doing and being willing to learn and grow and make mistakes along the way. In the 4th century, um, Augustine wrote essentially these words that, that, that helped me tremendously stay rooted in who I am in relationship to God. He, words to this effect, said that we were created in love and we were created for loves, or for love. And our hearts are restless. Our hearts are restless until we find love with God. You're created in love and for love, and your hearts are restless until we find our love with God. The God who created us, the God who loves us, the God who heals us and restores us and calls us and empowers us to follow and to live and to reflect the example that we see in Jesus. A self-giving love that builds a community where everybody has a seat at the table. To push back against all of the impulses that would seek to divide and conquer and tribalize and cannibalize at the end of the day the human community. To create this fractured, suspicious community in favor of one in favor of one where we belong each of us all of us belong i think we need that 
especially as we think about today and the news that just even in our own backyard, the violence that continues to happen within communities, senseless, unspeakable violence, where people are so motivated to not let those people belong that they're willing to commit violence against them. It's in that world that the hope and the promise of God's beloved community continues to flicker. And it's up to us to answer the call of Christ to follow and learn and live and grow that we might reflect that hope and that possibility of a beloved community in the reign of God Come and follow me, and I will make you fishers of people. Indeed, follow. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this podcast from Redlands First United Methodist Church. I hope that it has been a source of inspiration and encouragement for your spiritual journey. If you're interested in more information about the church, we would invite you to come to our website at redlandsfirstchurch.org. We hope you will join us in person, online, or via this podcast each week as together we open our lives to the movement of the Holy Spirit that we might grow in faith, and be strengthened in the ways that we reflect Christ's presence in the world.